Welcome back to the Peanut Gallery, everyone. My name is Dana Irwin. We are here. It is episode six. I am with my best friend, Jared Davis. Jared, how is life? It's going. Waiting for week one to come around the corner. Heck yeah, man. It is. We are. We're just. We have like two weeks just over because it's literally two weeks from tomorrow is when uh, we get kicked off with Kansas City and in Houston Texans and all I have to say is thank God for that cannot wait football's the best sport in the world and that's why we're talking about it but with that said let's uh let's give you guys a little preview of what we're going to be talking about today uh we're going to switch up a little bit we're going to talk some fancy football and some betting as well as the Ron Rivera situation um you know thoughts and prayers got to him he recently uh, communicated that he has cancer, and then also Earl Thomas, Pro Bowl safety, was kicked off the Baltimore Ravens, who are obviously one of the huge favorites to possibly win the Super Bowl and come out of the AFC. But let's first start with fantasy. We're going to kick it off here and talk specifically about our top five sleeper picks. Jared, I want to hand this off to you because I'm very interested to hear who you have on this list. Who are your top five sleepers that the fans out there and, and the fantasy football crazies should look out for and, and possibly draft? Sure. So I'll go through these five rather quickly. Uh, starting at number one, Matt Stafford. I think he's a sleeper because he's he's not going to show up on a lot of uh, you know best quarterbacks from last year's based on stats because he missed 10 games at uh, yeah. last season yep you're right so he was on an annihilating pace last year before he got hurt they got Galladay who's a top receiver Marvin Jones Jr. and Amendola are not bad for the uh, two and threes DeAndre Swift second round pick uh, out of Georgia and on Johnson are helping with the run game and so I think the weapons are there they got TJ Hawkinson as a tight end who I could see being another threat so Matt Stafford has the weapons. He just needs to stay healthy. And therefore, I think he could be a top 10 uh, quarterback this year in fantasy, making him a, a sleeper because I think a lot of leagues are going to pass up on him early on. Yeah, especially those uh, – to butt in here real quick. Especially those leagues where you only start one quarterback. I know our league's a little different where we start two, but usually commonly seen in those leagues, I'll only start one. I, I'd be shocked if – he was taken before like the seventh or eighth round. Right. So, yeah. So, to your point, you can definitely get some great value there. Exactly. Maybe waste your pick early picks for running backs and receivers and, and save Stafford in your back pocket towards the end of the draft. Um, Justin Jefferson wide receiver for the Vikings. We talked about him a little bit before he's the rookie wide receiver replacing Stefan Diggs. Uh, he was, was from LSU, he boosted Burrow's stats in 2019. He had 111 receptions for 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns. That's his last year in college. So I'm curious to see what he does with the Vikings offense and Kirk Cousins. I think he could be a sleeper just because he's a rookie and a lot of fantasy players out there are probably going to skim over him. Number three, Damian Harris, running back for the Patriots. I could expect him to have a bigger year. I've seen Sony Michelle's nursing uh, injuries on and off in training camp right now. So I could see Damian filling in a lot more and getting those touches. Number four, Bryce Love, running back uh, for the Washington football team. He was second in the Heisman in 2017 for the, for the runnings for the Heisman. He sat out his first year in the NFL due to an ACL tear. And it's going to be tough for him to come out of the gates because there's a lot of competition in Washington right now in the backfield. Um, typically, you know, you got Adrian Peterson, and I think there's three other running backs that are also fighting for that uh, first down or second down. Touch. Right. But good news for you, though, and, and if I'm, apologies if I'm stealing your thunder, they did get rid of that guy, Sky, who was right. a rookie last year, who something around um, alleged um, – I can't remember what it is, but they got kicked up the team, so that does help, to your point, uh, Bryce Love. Yeah, so I like him, and I once again, I think a lot of people are going to 
pass over him. I think you could get him in the probably bottom three rounds of the draft. And then finally at number five, he was in the Super Bowl last year, but I still consider him a sleeper. Raheem Mostert, running back for the 49ers. Uh, He was not a top 10 scoring running back last year. The guy's really fast, and I think that they were starting to work him a lot better in the playoffs. So it kind of seemed to be a chemistry thing where um, the coaches knew how how he ran and started working in his favor towards the later parts of the year. Hopefully that just carries over through the offseason and they start off really hot with him, um, therefore making him possibly by the end of the season, I could see him being a top even eight running back in the NFL. All so right. That, that's all I got. Who, who are your five? Yeah, well, one of mine actually directly correlates to your Stafford, the tight end, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, um, yep. He obviously also had some injuries, unfortunately, and then that got compounded with losing Stafford as well because, unfortunately, Jeff Driscoll, um, and I honestly can't remember the other quarterback that got starts, but they weren't very good, um, unfortunately, for the Lions um, in their season, but I think with a fully healthy Stafford for 16 games, TJ will be able to propel himself possibly to a top 10 tight end this year. And a lot of people, I, do, I, I honestly would be shocked because usually you only get one slot um, for your tight end. And then there's a flex position, but usually people either go running back or wide receiver there. You're not really thinking tight end. Um, but I doubt TJ is one of the first 10 tight end, first 10 tight ends taken and you'll be able to get him, and he could end up being one of the 10 best tight ends this year if he stays fully healthy in Stafford because many I, – I went did some research around a lot of the comps and a lot of what the draft experts were saying when he was coming out uh, from Iowa, and there were multiple. And by multiple, I mean five to ten articles I read of people talent-wise comparing him to Rob Gronkowski, which is obviously very high praise – um, we'll see if this year, if he can say fully healthy and Stafford does, if he can produce those type of numbers, but that alone, I, I just feel like, you know, five to 10 analysts can't be wrong, right? Maybe one to two, but if everyone's giving you that comp there, there has to be a reason why and I'm sure if some Iowa Hawkeye fans are, are listening to us, they can, uh, either prove me wrong or prove me right to, to that comparison. Yeah. And there, also just to add in there. Uh, for those who don't know, TJ Hawkinson was the eighth pick overall two years ago. The Lions were set on getting that tight end because of all those Gronk reports on, in the scouting. So eighth overall pick, I, I can't see him going to waste right? the second season. Yeah, like there's no way just all of a sudden like, you know, second season you're like, oh, wow, we completely missed. That'd be a bad miss if he truly is not, this is not as talented – um, as Gronk or even 90%, that is quite the swing and miss uh, for the Lions organization and the GM who made that pick. So that's my first one. Second one, I think I remember you mentioning his name, but this correlates with my uh, huge bold prediction of Drew Locke <laughs> winning the MVP. Noah? Yeah, Noah, Noah fan. Oh, yeah. Tight end for oh, the yeah. Broncos. I he, love it. Yep, so he, he sh- was showed flashes of greatness even with Joe Flacco for 11 of those starts. Um, Some stats here for you. He still saw the second most targets on the Broncos last year with a terrible quarterback for 11 games. And overall, he was ranked the 14th best tight end in PPR leagues. Um, Non-PPR, I I believe he was around 18 to 20. But if you're in a PPR league, he's, you know, was still top 15 and has plenty of room to grow. Now with a... I won't say Drew Locke is a franchise quarterback yet, but with a suitable starting quarterback who can actually throw the ball down the field and put pressure on, on defensive coordinators and corners and safeties out there. So I think he's got a lot of value there as well. He could easily be top 10, I believe, if I remember correctly from our previous episode where we talked ranked our top 10s. You might have had Noah in there. I could be wrong. but I did. It was okay. uh, towards the very bottom, but yeah, okay. I did. Yep. So a couple tight ends at you there that you could get great value in the later rounds of your draft. Um, 
I'd say, you know, you could probably be able to get these guys in the nine to 12 round range. If I was guessing third, I have a wide receiver. He was on the Buccaneers last year, so he does not get the added advantage of having Tom Brady this season, unfortunately, but he will be up North with Sam Darnold. It is Brashad Perryman. Uh, Perryman messed up his last name. Couple stats from last year with Jameis Winston down there south throwing him the ball. He was like the fourth or fifth option, so he didn't get a lot of chances to prove himself and his worth. But when he was out there, he was really, really good. He caught 36 passes, which isn't a lot. But like I said, he's the fourth or fifth option there. But think about it he got 36 balls and had over 600 yards receiving. His Yards per catch was the fifth most in the league last year. He tied for digs, and then the players above him were Kenny Galladay of the Lions, A.J. Brown of the Titans, and Mike Williams of the Chargers. So when he got the ball in his hands, he was going far, which is obviously what you want to see from your wide receivers. And he had six touchdown passes, or catches, excuse me, four to 36 passes he did catch. So that's a great ratio. And I think now with him essentially, in my opinion, being the number one option in the Jets offense will only increase those stat numbers. I could see him around 80 catches, 1,100 yards, and 8 to 10 touchdowns in that range this year, which would put him as a top 15 to 20 wide receiver. And from what I've seen in the mock drafts, he's not going even in the top seven rounds. He's going somewhere between 8 to 10. Um, which in my opinion, I feel like wow. he should be going with those stat lines. In my opinion, he should be going between rounds five and six. Him going past six round makes no sense to me. So look out for him and some value there. And then my last two, I've got, got a quarterback in here. I got Ryan Tannehill as much crap as I gave the Titans for giving him that huge deal. They didn't really have a choice and he did play really well last year. Speaking of, he threw 22 touchdowns, only six interceptions, great, great ratio, and that was only in 12 games. So you extrapolate that out, you're looking at, you know, a 30, 30 TD season. And he completed 70%, 70% of his passes. Usually everyone just thinks Drew Brees does that. So that's really impressive. Um, I like his weapons. I like A.J. Brown, who I just mentioned. Corey Davis is solid is a solid number two. Adam Humphreys as a is a decent number three. And then the biggest factor to me, which kind of opens up and allows Ryan Tannehill to be great and a lot better than than he was down in Miami because of the instability down there at the time, is he's got Mike Vrabel as a coach, who's great. And then also the other man who was paid this offseason for the Titans, Derrick Henry. He just releases so much pressure off of Ryan Tannehill to have to do everything himself, which then allows those key weapons to have one-on-one matchups, which most of those guys can win those one-on-one matchups, allowing for big plays, touchdown passes. So to me, it's a combination there. Um, Now, is Ryan Tannehill, if you're in a one-quarterback league, going to be the guy you're starting every week? Probably not. But you'll be able to pick him in the late rounds. And when you're looking at matchups on weeks, there's going to be a lot of advantageous weeks where I bet Ryan Tannehill has a better matchup than, say, um, Russell Wilson going against the 49ers, right? You'd probably rather play Ryan Tannehill against the Colts, who aren't a very good defense. So I think there's value there to be had with Tannehill, um, just based off the stats he threw last year, as well as I just foresee you know those numbers going up because this year he'll start our 16 games. And lastly, I got another guy up north, Darius Slayton wide receiver of the Giants. He was a rookie last year, really solid rookie season, 48 receptions, uh, over 700 yards and eight TDs, which I then went to a little research and saw uh, he had more touchdown catches than DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Keenan Allen, Adam Thielen, and Jarvis Landry with only 48 catches. Like That's incredible. Is that repeatable? I don't know, but he's only going to get better in his second year in the offense, and so is Daniel Jones, 
the quarterback in his second year is only going to get better. And from what I've also seen, he's again going in the you know later round area. And you know, you look at the numbers rookie year, he should at least this year have somewhere around 80 catches, probably flirting with a thousand yards. And TDs will probably be about the same, probably, you know, seven to eight. So I think you can get great value for him in the later rounds if he's still there. So, Jared, that, that's my top five. Um, personally, you know, not to toot our own horns, I like, I like both everyone we named. I think there's great value to be had with, with the, uh, the 10 players we mentioned. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting year altogether. And, and definitely, I feel like their running back position overall has some depth to it. I, I, I was finding myself going through like the number 20 through 25 running backs in the league and still thinking like those guys are going to put up touchdowns every weekend. So I feel like out of all the positions, that's the deepest this, this time around this season. Yeah, yeah, probably running back and quarterback. Just because, I mean, the offenses are just so good now. Well, in quarterback, the NFL, it's incredible. Quarterback, you're going to see a huge drop off after one and two, right? And then you're going to have true. a big plateau with like four through eight or nine. Those those quarterbacks that go are all probably going to be around the same. So when your draft is going, don't think you got to hop on a quarterback right away if you missed out on Mahomes and Jackson because the tier below that. I would argue is pretty flat as in there'll be several uh, quarterbacks available there. Right. And they're all to, to your point, great call on the research. What I saw too, is like those four to nine guys are all within like one to two points per game of each other. So it's yeah. not like a huge difference. Yeah. Speaking of, of fancy football, let's talk a little bit about some fun draft ideas I'll, I'll real quick. I'll oh let boy. the I'll let the group know kind of what we've done. You know, some we've done are very. It was lame. pretty good this year. I, this year was. Th- thank you. You know, I I didn't want to say it because it was my idea. It making me seem like a narcissist, but uh, no, I liked the idea this year. Um, so this year, we it was actually the games that just recently happened. Uh, it was Sunday. It was the Sunday slate of NBA games, um, and usually you know, overall, you have at least one star, sometimes even two really good players on a team. So what we did was, uh, because, you know, I was just happy sports were back. So I was watching the NBA. I took the best 10 players that were playing that day. And then we went online and basically you can like randomize our names with a player. So each of us got assigned a player and there's a stat. It's pretty simple. Uh, it's called plus minus which essentially means when your player's on the court, what's the score of the game? So, for example, uh, your player, Jared, Jared, I mean, you won. Go ahead. You won the first pick. Explain uh, how you won and and who you had. I mean, to me, I think the plus minus stat is if your player's on the court and the team performs better, then they get a higher – um, they'll move in the positive direction. Whereas if the team around is struggling, they're not scoring, you're going to move in the negative direction. So if you have a lot yep. of minutes and your team only scored 10 points, it's going to really hurt hurt you and make you look bad. Yep. So I had uh, Pascal from uh, – Raptors. <laughs> Raptors. I got you. Brain fart. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> I wish – and the day before I was hoping I had Luca, but turns out Pascal had uh, plus 26 that day. And so I have the first round or the first pick in the drafts and pretty stoked about it because I already know who I'm taking. I won't mention it here. Yeah, the whole world knows who you're taking. <laughs> but he was – he's pretty good. He's pretty good. That's all I'll say. <laughs> On pins and needles over here in Kansas City. But, yeah, so that was, that was how we did it this year. Um, it was a lot more fun because everyone was, like, super engaged on our group text everyone you know was watching the games to like obviously you know when it's not your player you're rooting for the other team to do well so that way that person's plus minus sucked uh and then vice versa when when your player was playing so that was one idea we we did this past year it was super fun uh another one we did was when we had a lot more of the group in kansas city i can't remember if you remember this one jared but we were at pbr 
which is a bar here in Kansas City. I think it's like a chain actually. Uh, and we took, basically we went to this uh, waitress or bartender and we gave them like a hundred, two hundred dollars. I can't remember what it was, but we had them pour 10 shots at every like five minute intervals. And, and it might've even been faster than that. At the beginning, there's 10 of us, right? There's a 10 person league. Nine of those shots were water. One is tequila. And so we randomly would choose a shot from the, you know, from the tray and we'd all take it at the same time. And obviously the person with the tequila shot was uh, <laughs> squinting their eyes in pain, needing to go to the hospital. And that meant they got the 10th pick in the draft. And so as we kept going and going, uh, you eventually went up the ladder and then the last person to take the tequila, tequila shot had the number one pick. A little bit of Russian roulette. Yeah. <laughs> um, so those are some we've done. Some I saw, Jared, that, that I really liked and that I'd like to see uh, if, if maybe you had some others you thought were funny. Uh, I was reading some forums and, and some articles that one group had everyone take the you're one. Gonna, you're going to steal mine. I know it. The, I, I found I, a really good one. I, I, I hope it's not the one. The, uh, the Wonderlick test. Oh, everyone no. everyone no, had to take the Wonderlick test, which for those that don't know, it's the stupid standardized test that NFL players have to take. Um, and usually it's only really a big deal for like quarterbacks. They'll make it out to be a really di- big deal if this person got like a low score. But yeah, oh, that's so, a good one. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't find that one. Yep. So you take that test and then lowest score gets last pick, high score gets first pick. So I thought that one was cool. Just because I know we would all suck at it. It's like when was the last time? I mean, ACT was the last time I took like a standardized test. Another one I really enjoyed, which would be hard to do because I'd we need everyone to be here to do this one, would be the beer mile. You have to run a mile and finish your beer. If you puke, you ha- you get the last pick. And then basically, if you you know the first person to finish their beer and run the mile gets the number one pick. Wow. So, I mean, I don't even know if that sounds fun. <laughs> I mean, there's a little, you know, you have competition, a little workout, you know, see who's fast. I mean, I I'm, I'm into, you know, running. That's cool. Uh, having a beer. <laughs> that's cool. But you mix the two together. It's like, ugh. yeah, it, there might be a chance that our friend group 10 for 10 would all puke before uh, finishing that mile. And then, Another one I enjoyed, and this is more of the gamer in me as well, was uh, there's this group that apparently they did, hogging all the good ones. I, I'm sorry. Here, yeah, <laughs> let me pause so that way I don't take this one. You go ahead and give some of yours. Well, because you said it's a gaming one, does it have to deal with Super Smash Brothers? Ooh, yes, it did. <laughs> See, keep I, going, thought, keep going. I thought we were going to bring that one. I thought two two times ago you were going to talk about this one. I was like, oh, my gosh, Dan's, <laughs> Dan's getting all the good all the good games out of here. Super Smash Brothers, you, you, you draw out of a hat or do some sort of random selection, and you pick a player, just a character, to, to your name. So Dan could be Mario, and I could be Luigi or whatever. You go through all the characters, but you don't actually like play. <laughs> this is the best part. You set them, they, you, you make the computer player play and they all play against each other, just the computers and you watch and you're a fan and you just sit back, you have a beer and you root for your guy to win. <laughs> uh, yeah, I love I it. That was I, the, I, the best, the best part was that you're not actually playing <laughs> right you're, we're just all getting you know kenning hammered eating pizza and rooting for these computers <laughs> I, I read that and i was like that's genius the fact that you don't play so then the other one i had was uh the kentucky derby uh was delayed this year and it's happening on september 5th which is like the perfect oh, wow. time to figure out your draft order right so you could have every team be a horse and do some sort of you know random selection to to figure out which team is with which horse, and then the order that the horses finish. That's your that's your order. That'd be fun to do. Um, another one would be the same thing basically, but with Formula One, because I'm a Formula One fan. 
I'll keep this short, <laughs> go Red Bull. And uh, yeah, you just, you basically, there's, there's 10 teams in Formula One, 20 cars. So if you have 10 people in your league, you can just assign one, uh, one person per team and do how well that team does over the race. Or you can, you know, if you have 12 people in the league, you just pick a car. Um, so those, those were all the cool ones I saw online. Um, but yeah, that's, I knew we would have that super smash brothers one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, uh, I saw that and I was like, Oh, our group would eat that up, but next year, next year. Yeah. But that's cause we're N60, uh, N64. Oh, what's great now is you could all like, you could stream it. So you don't even have to be there. Oh yeah, that's true. Technology these days. It's beautiful. All right. With that, that said, we're going to do one to three players. Neither of us have discussed yet. And I, I now only have one because you took uh, my boy, Justin Jefferson, the Vikings wide receiver in, uh, in your previous conversation. So the only player I think, you know, worthy of being drafted, probably going to get him in the later rounds. He did a lot better in the playoffs than he, than regular season is a wide receiver for the Packers. Alan Lazard. He's, oh, yeah. he's shortly becoming Rogers' second option. I really felt it and saw it in the two playoff games that he preferred him over. Um, I can't even remember. He's got like three first names. Um, I can't remember his name for the, for the Packers, but not Devontae Adams, the other guy. But I think Lazard really is developing a strong chemistry with Rogers and he will be able to propel that to a much better 2020 season. So that'd be another guy to, to look out for from my perspective. Jared, did you have anyone else that we hadn't talked about? Yeah, I had uh, three guys. CeeDee Lamb slash Michael Gallup, both Dallas Cowboys receivers. Oh, yeah. Tough to see or tough to say who, who's going to do better right now. Uh, but I keep an eye out for both of them. Leonard Fournette with the Jags. He seems to be a consistent running back every year, uh, right around the 8 to 12 range in points. Um, so I, I don't like to talk about him because he's not he, – he's kind of on the end of his career, and he's with the Jags. Uh, so the other one is also with the Jags. Oh, which my. Is we, which is why we haven't talked about him. But <laughs> this, this guy's impressive. I had no idea he did this. DJ Chark Jr., Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wide receiver for Jacksonville. He had over 1,000 yards receiving last year and eight touchdowns. That's pretty decent for really good. someone that I haven't heard of in a long time. So I, I, those were mine. Um, but, you know, keep, just keep an eye out. If, if they're in the later end of the draft, snag, right. snag one of them. I mean, as much as – grief i've given the jaguars so far on our podcast they do have to score points someone has to score points for them right and it's probably going to be those two guys you just mentioned so um yeah go go with them if you're going to draft a jaguars player now let's put fantasy football in a box and let's go to what is sometimes the best feeling in the world and then sometimes you feel like an idiot and you just let your money on fire Let's talk a little bit about betting and let's start. And I, and I want you to kick us off. Let's go with an AFC bet that you think is just a slam dunk lock. And, you know, it could be a division that's going to be won by a team win loss record over unders uh, and some, you know, crazy ones. Maybe it's a wide receiver. You really like that. You think they're TD over under super low. Jared, who in the AFC you think, what are our locks this year so I can go lose some money or win some money? Hopefully win since these are locks. I got Texans under 10 wins for the season at minus 110. Absolute beauty of a bet. There is, in my opinion, no way that Texans team is going over 10 are, wins. Are they – so it's – quick clarifying question for myself because I didn't look this one up. It's set to 10. If you hit 10, you push. Right. If, oh, if wow. you get nine wins, I love, you win. I love this bet. I love this bet. So Keep uh, going. Yeah, so that uh, there's a little combo bet here that you could, uh, if you're really feeling ballsy, 
to not make the playoffs, the Texans to not make the playoffs minus one sixty six. So I think that they're thinking they're thinking the Texans are not going to make the playoffs. So what does that tell you that they're going to be under 10 wins? If you have 10 or more wins this year, there's a good chance you're going to playoffs. So I think you could play, you could, if you want, you could play both sides of this and take them to make the playoffs and go under on the 10 wins or vice versa and cover, cover your, you know, hedge your bet a little bit. But personally, because I think the Texans are about to tank, I would take the under 10 wins and not to make the playoffs. So that that's my lock. It, it, it is what it I is. like it. I like to it. not make the playoffs though at minus 166. That, that caught me off guard. Right. So that's Vegas telling the world. They're they don't, not going that, that they're not going. And even with an extra team this year, they're not going. right. And, and there's a reason those casinos are still open FYI to the public. It's because they're right a lot. <laughs> so what do you have? Okay, yeah. So I, I got two here that I think are slam dunk cannot miss. You, right now, at least from most betting sites I saw, you can get the Bills plus 110 to win the AFC East. That is a lock. Patriots no longer have Tom Brady. Miami, it's going to take another year or two. And then the Jets, <laughs> you just got rid of your best player. You ain't going to the playoffs either. I think that is a lock for Josh Allen and crew to win the AFC East. Uh, Bill's always got something up his sleeve. I, There's no more. I like the Texans bet because I don't have to worry about Belichick and the Patriots ruining it. <laughs> but <That's>... I see, <laughs> I see where you're coming from. I think that is a lock. I agree. It's just if something were to ruin that, you know, it's going to be the Patriots. Fair. And and probably true, I just it's it's over. They're not winning. Not they're not winning the division this year. It's it's just not happening. Um, and for those that don't know the kind of like what plus one ten means, uh, that means in order to win one hundred and ten dollars, you got to bet a hundred. Um, and then for the ones Jared outlined, I, I think it was minus thirty and minus like one sixty. That means you would have to bet one thirty to win a hundred. Um, just here where. And then my second one, I, I feel like there's no way you're going to disagree with me on this. Bengals over under is at five and a half wins. How? Five and a half? Five, I missed that one. Five and a half at plus, under. At plus 105. Oh, you know what's probably doing it is the burrow train. What? Where is it? I, I haven't seen it. Is it. That's news. There's a train. Are people getting on it? The hype, man. The hype. The hype. The hype train. He's a rookie quarterback in a very difficult division, and he's in the AFC. No, no, I, I get it. Like I, I would take the under in a heartbeat. Yeah, I'm just okay. saying you just, the, reason, some hype. the reason there's money on the other side of that is because people are thinking Joe Burrow is going to come in on his first year, which oh, it's so hard to do as a quarterback, and take take a crap team to six wins. No way. Sorry. No way, Jose. Not happening. No. Yeah, so I, you know, I'd be slamming that one. Um, so those are my AFCs. I'll then kick us off. I got I got two NFCs. One you're going to love. It's, it's your boy. Kyler Murray, passing yards over under, is at 3,950.5. So what does that what does that mean? That's a lot. Dan, help me out. So last year alone, there were twelve quarterbacks that beat that number. Twelve. One of which being, you know, my partner in crime, Carson Wentz, up in Philly. But we'll talk about him another day. But one that will shock you—not maybe not shock—but I would think you would agree that Kyler Murray's a better quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo threw for more yards than that over under. <laughs> so to me. And, and then, and then, F, hey, thing. hold on, hold on, wait, I, okay, I'm not done. Okay, let me, okay. let me, I'm reeling, let me reel you in. Last year, he threw for 3,722. So, not far behind. And that was his rookie year. And he did not have DeAndre Hopkins. And this is his second year under Cliff Kingsbury with that offense. And they also drafted 
offensive lineman to make sure he doesn't get sacked as much. And overall, in case you're wondering, okay, that's a lot of yards, Dan. What does that mean per game? What does he have to do? That means he has to average just 247 passing yards per game. I think it's doable. I think it's a lock. Here's here's why I first off, I love Kyler Murray. You know, my passion for the Cardinals this year, it's there. But the reason I think that's a risky bet is you have to expect him to play every game this season. And there's one thing that could be keeping him from that, maybe two. The one that I'm thinking of is COVID. If he got COVID or somehow uh, got placed on the pro, you know the COVID list where he can't play or participate in team activities for an X amount of days, that could that'd be such a big impact to his season and his right. stats. He'd be toast. And the other thing is that it's uh, if he had some sort of crazy injury, right? You never wish that on anyone, but if he got injured, uh, yeah, it'd be ugly. You would lose that bet. But based yeah. on those two things. True. Very so true. That's why that's, that's the only reason, just FYI to the betters out there, I'm staying away from players, uh, like certain bets that they'll get an X amount of touchdowns, X amount of yards this year is because of COVID. It's just too risky. That's fair. Those are some fair counters. And then my other one, I mean, you didn't think you'd get an episode through without me talking about Tom Brady, did you? Uh Tampa we're so Bay. close. <laughs> Tampa Bay over under nine and a half wins. Uh, take the over. It's a lock. They're going to win 10 games at least. And here's a little stat for you. One of the last time Tom Brady didn't win double digit games. I got it for you. 2002 is second year um, with the Patriots. That was the year after they won the Super Bowl and taking over for Bledsoe. And also in that same year, he threw the, the most TD passes in the league at 28. That's just a little tidbit, uh, fun fact for you. But yeah, 2002. I was and I was twelve of, when that happened. Okay, so I'll I'll step back on the COVID comment because if someone's going to stay away from that virus, it's Tom Brady. He's like the healthiest guy on the planet. I know Giselle's making sure that he he's not catching it. He doesn't want to catch it. He's super cautious. So. You know, I could see Kyler Murray out there, you know, being a little. He's younger. A little more in the out. crowd. You know, you know maybe go to I would be that, I'd kind of be that way too. Whereas Tom Brady, I feel like, is the dad in the picture where he's, you know, going to bed at 9 p.m., making sure <laughs> the kids are all tucked in. <laughs> wise, and, wise man. Yeah. So the COVID thing doesn't apply as much to, to Tom. Who, uh, what are your bets in that FC? What do you like? So NFC. We're going right back to the Cardinals. Over six wins is minus 110. I had them set for 10 wins, which is a little, it's aggressive. I also had them set to go to the playoffs. But here I'm going to offer you guys another way to hedge your bet or double down. Over six wins is minus 110. And then I really like this next one. For the Cardinals to finish third in their division, plus 190 oh my what plus 190 i i can't i I love that bet oh my gosh i can see that happening so many different ways but they're always in third i think they're better than that rams team and you know the 49ers and seahawks are gonna be the one too or you know vice versa i don't see the cardinals beating them out i don't see the rams beating them out no no way I, I love know that who's going to win. Oh, I love it. That's a great one. Yeah. So plus 192. That's good odds. Those are great odds. Put 100 down, win 190, call it a day. Easy money, folks. <laughs> was, uh, was that your – did you have any others in the NFC? Nope, that was it for okay. the NFC. And then we're going to – now let's go Super Bowl. You go ahead and take this one first. Sure. So Super Bowl's – obviously riskier it's one of the riskiest bets you could make so i'm not gonna say this is a lock i kind of went out there and tried to get some value out of this bet so you know if you want a lock you'd pick the ravens the chiefs um 49ers but yeah, those are the three favorites i went through the list and i tried to find a team that i thought would be really good this year 
where the odds were really in our favor for them to get there. So I went with the Seahawks plus 2000 plus 2000 for the Seahawks to make it to the Super Bowl. When the chiefs are plus 300, I can get way more value out of these guys. And the Seahawks are a playoff proven team. They've been there before they've won there before. And I, once again, they just have to make it to the Super Bowl. Hundred bucks gets you two grand. Yeah, no, that's that's really good. Um, I'm same with you. I mean, right now you're not going to see anything less than plus six hundred to win it, um, and that's the Chiefs. The Ravens are plus six fifty from what I've seen, and then I think the Forty ers are third at plus nine hundred. Um, some value bets I like are the Eagles or Packers since I also had CRX written down, but I figured you'd take them. I think they're both plus 2,200 FYI as well. So bet $100 win 2,200. The reason I like both of them is been there before, especially the Eagles more recently. They have a super winning coach there. Quarterback's great. Structure. They're going to win the NFC East. Packers, they were just in the NFC title game last year. They were right there. They have Aaron Rodgers. The coach, you know, obviously the least experienced um, coach when you talk between him, Pete Carroll, or Doug Peterson. But from a value standpoint, I just think, you know, it's a lot better than plus 600, which is what you're going to get with the Chiefs. And then when you're talking Chiefs, if Pat Mahomes gets injured, um, or if any of those Russell Wilson – uh, Lamar Jackson gets injured, your bets are toast, anywho. So, right. I think the worst value, though, that I saw, I saw the Patriots at plus 1200. They're like the fifth or sixth best odds yeah, for the Super Bowl. And I'm just right like, over that one. I'm like, how? Like, you could, like, who's betting that? Are, are people in Boston just delusional? Because the answer seems to be yes. There's a lot of Doug Burnett's out there who think, <laughs> you know, Bill Belichick is. The guy is that and, is that good, huh? And Tom Brady was, you know, just the pawn. So, I think I think there's a lot of money on the Patriots. There always is in in betting. So that's that's the only reason I can think of. And and I agree, stay as far away from that bet as you can. And then we got Earl Thomas, Ron Rivera. Uh, Ron Rivera, be real quick. He unfortunately is diagnosed with cancer. Sounds like it's nothing too serious, knock on wood. Um, you never know with, with cancer and how it's going to take its form. Thoughts out to him and his family. Hopefully, I mean, usually events and situations like this really make a team come together, which I think will help Washington football team be more competitive in games. It's just, you know, they really don't have the talent yet to affect their win-loss record. And then also from, a, you know, who's going to be the coach if Ron Rivera's not there. They've already named that if Ron Rivera cannot coach, it will be Jack Del Rio, who has been a head coach in this league before um, at the Raiders and in a couple of other stints. He was down in Jacksonville. Now, I don't think he's the greatest head coach in the world, but uh, from a standard position, I think he'll do just fine. And also, he's a really, really good defensive coordinator. Jared, any yeah, thoughts? the the cancer is what what they're saying is it's very treatable and curable because he caught it early by actually checking himself, uh, and they and it's it's in a lymph node, which is the one place you don't want to get it. Um, but because he caught it early, they're saying um, there's a good good chance for a full recovery, which is really good news. Um, the other thing is, like you said, they have a plan B in place. So, you know, they're, I think they're going to try to keep it business as usual for now. And then worst comes to worst, they'll initiate plan B. But not something you want to see a football team go through. And the Washington football team has gone through so much lately. So, uh, you know, just like you said earlier, thoughts and prayers. All right. And then – Ending it off here, talk about the Earl Thomas situation with the Ravens. Jared, you want to give us the the rundown and your thoughts? Yeah, so he punched his fellow safety after 
a day at training camp or I, I don't know the exact details on it. Um, but the team released him and it really caught some eyes around the league because the Ravens are a really well run organization. And John Harbaugh is someone that has brought in some players with a little bit of attitude or that edgy and transformed them into really good NFL players who can, you know, keep their act together. So it's, that's what I mean when it's a a tight knit group that is well run. So it caught a lot of coaches and owners eyes around the league that Earl Thomas would get released because if John, John Harbaugh can't do it, who can. And I don't think there's going to be a team that just steps in right now and tries to, tries to pick him up. Um, there's been a lot of issues with Earl Thomas. He, when he was getting carted off the field after he broke his leg in 2018, he raised the middle finger to yeah. Pete Carroll. Yeah. Cause he wanted like a new deal. Um, didn't get it. And then he like got injured in like second game or something. Right. Right. <laughs> which I'm not laughing at injury. I'm just laughing at the situation of, of when he flipped out as his coach, which overall just not a good idea to flip off your boss. Well, it just kind of promotes that there might be some sort of attitude issue there. Uh, then there was the whole TMZ article that came out where his wife was arrested in April after she said she pointed a gun at Earl's head during an argument and she confronted him at an Airbnb because she thought he was cheating on her. So there's just a lot of sounds like off the field issues that need to get resolved. And in order for him to join another team, he really has to fix your, you know, everyone goes through hard times and, and you take those personal issues and you try to keep them at bay so it doesn't affect your work or your work ethic and sometimes players just you know they're in the spotlight and it's hard to deal with that there's a lot of things coming at them left and right every day so I personally I hope the best for Earl but I I see him as kind of joining the unemployment sector for for this season Uh, he's 31 years old he still has talent. He's still good. He still could have a couple more years in him. But if you're a team, are you willing to pick that up and take that risk and try to pay him and, and, and go through all that? And then you bring in someone into the locker room that has issues, it's going to start to rub off on your other players. And if your other players can't support him and surround him with like, you know, positivity, then it can turn your team south real fast. So yeah, there's, there's absolutely. just too much risk involved for me to see him being picked up right now. What What do you think? I I agree with you 100. Um, percent The rumored team I see that maybe if it's going to happen is the Cowboys, because I know they were interested pre him going to the Ravens. But you have to imagine Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy are going to have a call with John Harbaugh and get the full story. And so if they don't like. Did you read that article? Sorry to interrupt. The, oh, uh, the there was since I live in Dallas, I gotta provide some. Uh, there, there was something on the radio here on one hundred five three, the fan, uh, where Jerry Jones he calls into that sports radio um, a couple times a week, and you always get to hear from him. Well, he called in, and Ian Rappaport who is the NFL network yeah. um, guy who reports everything said that there, Jerry Jones is not even considering uh, bringing Earl Thomas to the Cowboys. And he got on the radio station and he said, Ian Rappaport has no idea what he's talking about. Um, he didn't say that we're going to go after him right away, but he it just was, denied the report that they yeah. would not he said go some choice words. So. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Definitely interesting. Yeah. That's something Jerry Jones would say or Eddie Oder, right? Where like a reporter comes out, like says something that basically the owners and organizations never like when anything inside gets leaked unless they're the ones leaking it. And I'm sure that's that situation where Jerry Jones is like, you don't know what you're talking about, even if it might be true. <laughs> um, but that's the only team that I could foresee 
just because they were interested pre him going to the Ravens. Um, I know some people have like said, I, I know I've been reading stuff. People have been saying the chiefs, that's not going to happen. Andy Reed and John Harbaugh are very close. John Harbaugh was on the Eagles staff back when Andy Reed was with the Eagles for 10 plus years. Like if you don't think him and uh, John Harbaugh have already had a conversation about Earl Thomas and, and that situation, Andy Reid knows the truth of what happened there, and there's no way we're going to bring someone who might be toxic to the Chiefs locker room into the Super Bowl winning environment. So that's not going to well, happen. Well, and we just don't need them, right? Yeah. So, well, I the, mean, him and Matthews together, it would be it would, insane. It would be lethal. But we we were looking at taking him after uh, he he left Seattle before the Ravens got to him, and that's where we went with honey badger and they went with Earl Thomas. So we already avoided it luckily once. So I, I don't see them. I just don't see it happening. Yep. No, I agree. All right. That is gonna end it here uh, with episode six. Thanks so much for stopping by. We'll see you next week for one more um, supplemental episode before we kick everything off uh, on nine ten when we have the Chiefs and, and Texans. That will lead us into an entire weekend of, of NFL fun and football. So thank you very much for stopping by. We'll see you next week. Hey, man. Hey, man.